Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of I Know Some Shit. I am Andrea Natoli and sometimes go by Andrea Kelly and sometimes go by Andrea Natoli Kelly. So find me, but my Instagram is definitely at the Andrea Natoli and so is my website, the Andrea Natoli. So um, hope to connect with all of you. So today we're going to talk about the topic is why you shouldn't listen to your parents and uh, I know parents are not going to like this episode, but here's where it's coming from. I think it's really important who we listen to and who we take advice from. And I think growing up, we're kind of subjected to spending the most amount of time with our parents, right? Which we don't even have a choice, right? So we get a lot of programming um, 18 years for some of us, for me, it was, I got out at 15, but some people stay a lot longer. I mean, there's people that I know that lived at home with their parents. They were in their thirties and I get it, especially in LA because it's super expensive and, if, and it's always under the guise of like, well, I'm going to save money, which in my experience never happens. People never really save money. What they do is just spend money more frivolously because they feel like I don't have to pay rent. So might as well buy this uh, Gucci bag or whatever. And I think, in my opinion, the quicker you can get out, the better and start your life and start to really stand on your own two feet. I think there's a reason that baby birds, I think they throw them out of the nest. <laughs> and I think the reason they throw them out of the nest is because it's the best thing for them, right? And any other animal, they get them out early. Um, but it's different with humans. And I'm not really going to get into the fault of the parents because I do think there is, um, for lack of a better word, there is some pathology dysfunction going on with the parents where they don't really know how to get on with their own lives because, look, we've taken up a lot of their lives, right? We come in and um, I've experienced this as a parent three different times and now as a grandparent, you know, when a child comes into your life, and I think parents can uh, agree with this and also uh, grandparents and, you know, and aunts, uncles, whatever, when that kid comes in, it's very disruptive. So whatever plans you have are kind of disrupted and your sole focus, if you're a good parent, which I think most people are great parents, you start to sacrifice yourself for that child and you start to put your needs on the back burner and put the child's needs first, which is sort of the way it has to be, I think, in the beginning for survival. But then that transition of not putting your kids' needs first and putting your your needs first, right? It's that thing like when you get on the airplane, put your oxygen mask on first, and then your child. It's so counterintuitive um, if you love your children, you know, because for me especially, I don't think I really knew true love until I had a child. I thought my true love was going to come romantically. Um, you know, I'm sure my parents loved me like that. I don't know, jury's out. But I definitely did not love my parents like that, not the way that I loved my own child. And not even a man. You know, it was interesting. I was in somewhat of a dysfunctional relationship when I had my first child. And I, the minute the minute that child was born, I mean, I started to feel it a little bit as I was pregnant and carrying a child, but the minute that child was born and it was my firstborn son and I looked into his eyes, 
there was a bond and a love that if you've never experienced it, it's so powerful. Like it's a spiritual experience. Like you created this child, you carried this child, and then there is that child in your arms. And it's like unbelievable. And that love just grows, you know? Sorry, I'm drinking a smoothie this morning. My editor gets very upset. My editor, who's also my husband, gets very upset when I drink while I'm doing a show, but I'm always fucking multitasking, always. So stand by. Anyway, he also said, please don't talk while you're drinking. <laughs> but it's like, dude, it's breakfast. I'm drinking my smoothie. Anyway, once you have that child, you know, it, it just changes you. It changes your life. You have this, this unrequited love, this intense love. And I don't think it goes away. Um, but I think it does evolve. It changes because in the beginning, it's just like your love for a dog. You know, my, my daughter had said to me one time, like, you love these dogs more than you love us. And it's like, well, these dogs have never said or done anything to piss me off like you guys have. <laughs> and it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of true. Like, obviously, the dogs have done little stuff, but they're just unrequited love constantly, which is why it's so hard when you lose a pet because that bond and that love is is deep and true and real as well. But with a child, as they grow older, and you know, I, I did study um, early child development, so I know a little bit about this. It's really normal and necessary for that child to kind of break away from you. And the child knows to do this. And it starts when they talk about the terrible twos. It's really that saying like, hey, I know I'm not going to have you to do stuff for me for the rest of my life. So I need to sort of separate myself from you. And they start to do stuff, temper tantrums and stuff, which no matter how much you love a child, there's a moment where you're like, seriously, bro, seriously, right now, uh, I got to go to work or I don't feel well or I'm sick or I'm trying to cook dinner and you're going to have this full fucking meltdown right now. But it's important for the child to have that so that they start to create their autonomy. They start to create um, a self that is not connected to you. And I think for parents, we have a harder time connecting a self that, or connecting uh, to a part of ourself that is not connected to them because the bond is so, so strong. But anyway, this episode is not about parents. It's really about us, you know, as, as children of a parent. And so anyway, they have a long time to do a lot of programming on us. And in some ways it's great. In some ways the programming is really helpful, right? They teach us things like don't cross the street, right? You know, or, or whatever, look both ways before crossing the street or, you know, don't touch the stove. It's hot or, you know, valuable life-saving information. But they also deliberately or not deliberately put on us their own sort of set of beliefs and values, which again, too, can be very good, but and be very beneficial, but in some ways cannot. And I don't think we really start to look at it as adults. Um, well, I guess we look at it when we move out and we start to think about how we want to do things in our own apartment or, you know, in our own life, or when we meet our first like romantic partner, how we want it to be different than our parents' relationship, or it could be the other way, similar to our parents' relationship. But I think it really kicks in when we have a child and we start to see like, oh, some of the things I'm saying or doing to this child are very similar to my parents. You know, I kind of used to say this as a joke, but I had therapists say to me like, without a lot of like parenting, how did you 
become a good parent? How did you know how to parent your children? And I think part of it was I just did the exact opposite of what my parents would do in a situation. You know, my parents didn't really value education and they didn't really, everything was about the entertainment business. And, you know, where my kids had, um, you know, they, 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 they had that in them to become artists on some level. I also gave them another dose of reality, you know, a quote that I used to say to my kids, which is like, there's a career that you can pick and there's a career that picks you. And that's really what acting is and music to some degree and, and probably all the arts, you know, you kind of have to wait for somebody to say, okay, we see what you're doing and it's valuable and now we're going to pay you to do it. So if that's your dream, you know, have some sort of a backup plan. Um, but there were definitely things that my parents did give me that I definitely gave to my children. So it's not all bad, but I think it's the first time you start to look at stuff one of the things was, you know, I kind of grew up, you know, in a generation where it was like children are seen and not heard. You know, if your parents passed out some sort of a punishment, you just took it. You didn't question it. You never expressed your emotions. And um, I remember a specific situation where I had grounded my son for something. I, I don't even remember what it was, but I think he did something he wasn't supposed to do or did something I told him not to do. And, um, and I had grounded him from, I think it was from movies and it was a pretty severe punishment. It was like, you're not going to see movies for a year, something extreme. And, um, and I was, um, you know, remarried, not his dad, but, um, you know, he, he threw a fit, you know, he said what he needed to say to me, which was, this is ridiculous. You're outrageous. This is not fair. You know, basically it was like, you suck mom, kind of a outburst. And he didn't, you know, he didn't cuss me out or he didn't get violent, but he really was upset and he expressed it. And my husband at the time was like, oh my God, you should never let him talk to you like that. Do you want me to go in there and straighten him out and this whole thing? And I said, no, listen, he's allowed to be upset. What happened is upsetting. And, and, and the, the, you know, the sentence that I gave him, you know, this grounding is extreme and it was meant to upset him so that he remembers how important it is to follow something that I set down because I have my reasons for setting it down. You might not understand them. You don't have to like it, but you do have to follow it. And he wasn't saying, you know, F you, I'm not going to follow it. He was just saying, it sucks. I'm pissed. I'm upset. I think it's unfair. I think you're ridiculous. And he gets to have all those feelings. And that was something I did different than my generation and different than my parents was you get to express your feelings. Because I think when you don't allow a child to have their feelings, <laughs> in my opinion, then they go down in the basement and they build a bomb, right? Because they have those pent up feelings. They feel unheard. They feel unseen. They feel, they don't even know what they feel, right? There's just a lot of anger. And I was cool with him being upset. You know, it didn't feel good for him to say those things to me, but I understood it. It was, it was valid. And I think I validated, yes, you're upset. And yes, I understand. And, you know, years later I got to say, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was the right punishment. I don't know if the punishment fit the crime. And when your children become parents, which has happened to one of my children thus far, they get to see like, pfft, fuck, my parents don't know what, didn't know what they were doing. And in some levels, I don't know what I'm doing. Like there's no handbook to, for how to do this right. And even the parents that do it right, quote unquote, right. 
it doesn't necessarily turn out well. You know, I have family members that grew up in what you would call an idyllic, perfect childhood and had drug problems, crime problems, all kinds of problems. So we don't know. We just do our best, right? And so that was me doing my best. I was also a very young parent and I had a lot of fear around my children rebelling against me because, you know, my son and I are only 18 years apart in age. So it was like I had to really sort of lean into my strong side um, and not be so lackadaisical and not be like, yeah, whatever, bro, it'll work out because, um, you know, definitely I could have been overthrown. <laughs> so, um, so that was where I was coming from. And your kids kind of get that as they get older. I think my son and I have a better understanding, you know, that, hey, I didn't do everything perfect. But one of the, you know, crosses that I die on is that what was my intention? Was my intention ever to just be mean for the sake of being mean or just fuck you up or just ruin your life? No, it was like me trying to do what I thought was best at the time. So every child comes out with some scars from being raised by the parents they were raised by. And the reason I'm, I, I'm doing this topic, why you shouldn't listen to your parents is because I think our parents kind of live in our head way after we move out of their house, way after we become adults, and sometimes way after they're long gone, you know, dead. It's like they still live in us. And some of that is great. Some of that is a great memory. My mother had a lot of issues, but my mother and I laughed together. Like we had a lot of fun. And I know how to have a good time with kids. And so did my mom. You know, my sons loved spending time with my mom. She was fun, a little crazy, a little off the reservation, you know, addict, you know, had her issues, but fun. And didn't have my kids come over and be like, all right, we're going to sit here and watch Dateline. She had plans for my kids. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to see this. We're going to do that. And even if we're home, I've got coloring books for you. I've got kids coming over to play. I've got swim dates. I've got stuff. And I got that from her, which is a really good thing. My mother also had a horrible eating disorder where she never um, appreciated her body. And I live with that too. You know, so when I say don't listen to your parents, it's not necessarily what they're telling you today, but it's what they've told you that still lives with you. And sometimes we have to stand back and look and say, you know, where is that coming from? Is that old programming? Is that an old tape? Is that something that I need to let go of? And then also looking at like, how did that work out for my parents? And like I said, this is going to be sort of a controversial controversial, is that I say a controversial episode because we're all taught to listen to our parents, right? It's one of the 10 commandments, honor thy mother and father. Like it's all in there. Like you should never question authority. It's all in there. But I'm giving you permission in this episode um, to question authority and look at some of this stuff because I will tell you my parents financially, not the best, right? And I have a I have that in me. I have that like, you know, fuck it. Let's go on vacation. Fuck it. Let's buy that TV. Fuck it. Let's go out to eat. Like I have that in me. You know what I mean? That I don't know if it's like somehow it'll all work out or we're not even thinking about how it's going to work out. Um, none of, neither one of my parents were big savers. They didn't save money, you know. And then I have to look at that and it's super painful to look at because 
I really believe one of the reasons my mom checked out when she did was because I don't think she had enough finances to make it another 20, 30 years. And that's really sad. That is definitely not how I want to be. That's not what I want to be facing at the end of my life. So I don't take financial advice from my parents. Whatever my parents tell me to do with money, I have to question that. I have to run that by somebody who is good with money. And I've been bringing more and more of those people into my life because I don't have that information. I try to listen to more financial podcasts. I try to talk to people who are not like my parents with money. And so this can apply to anything, right? If, if your parents, I remember one time my mother was giving me advice on singing and I was bratty. And I was like, look, dude, you're not Barbara Streisand. I'm not going to take advice from you. You blew your voice out and you can't even sing anymore. And, you know, as rude as that is to say to your parents, and maybe I didn't need to say it, right? Like I didn't need to say the quiet part loud. (laughs) I could have just listened to what she was saying, had respect and been like, cool, thank you for that input. And then in my brain be like, discard. Um, But that is a big thing to look at. You know, when your parents give you advice on relationships and they're not good in relationships and they haven't done the work to learn how to be good in relationships, then don't listen to them. Don't listen to that advice. Um, Some parents, and I consider myself one of those people, I have sought a lot of outside help, a lot of therapy, a lot of outside resources. So whereas, you know, I'm on my third marriage, I do have a lot of experience, strength, and hope about relationships because I've seen it all. And I spent a lot of time with men in bands and doing stand-up comedy and just in general, I've had a lot of male friends. So I have that male perspective, which I think is helpful to give my friends for dating advice or marriage advice. And I think also, you know, you have to look at your parents' relationship, which could be very different than yours, just generationally. You know, we lived they might've lived in a very different time. You know, that's another thing too, is like very few parents really understand the world we live in. You know, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I post, I, I follow shit. I know what's going on with that. So if your parents don't, then, um, you know, they don't live in the world that you live in today, that we live in today currently, you know? Um, and you'll, you'll know that based on, um, based on what they can do and not do with the computer. Sorry, I just totally thought like a spider or something felt, fell on me. Do you ever have that? Where it's like, I don't know, it's just like a hair or something, but it's like, oh my God, is it a spider? Probably PTSD because I had to kill a spider this morning. Please don't send me your text messages about not killing a spider. I'm sorry, dude, you're in my house. You're in my house. I got to take you out. Um, and I'm not trying to scoop you and take you outside. Okay. (laughs) I've seen those people on Instagram. God bless you. God bless you. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If that is how you want to spend your Saturday, go for it. I got, I got more stuff to do than to save a spider. So back to why you shouldn't listen to your parents. So the first one is, you know, I don't, I don't like people giving advice on something that they're not personally good at. And I think I've seen parents do this and I think, and I've been guilty of it too. I think part of it is that you feel as a parent, like you're responsible to give them everything. And when I got into recovery, one of the things I loved is when I would have someone say to me, yeah, I don't have any experience with that. You might want to talk to Betty or whatever. I love that. And I think that's a phrase that we should pick up in parenting. Like, "Mm." 
Money, yeah, that's not really my strong suit. I would talk to blah, blah, blah about that, or I would seek outside sources, you know? I think that, you know, there's that pressure on parents to know everything. And, you know, the minute you have a child, you figure out very quickly, you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. I don't know how, what am I going to do? You know, um, because they're, they're their own human being on their own journey, you know, like not to get super like spiritual or I guess it's not religious, it's more spiritual, but like this creature has come into the world through you, right? You were a huge part of it. But once they leave the womb and enter the world, they're on their own journey. And all we can really do is give them what we have, you know, what we have to give and, and guide them in the way that we see best. But I think a lot of times parents act from their ego and they get very upset if you do something very different than what their plan is for you. The one thing I did get early on is that, you know, my plan for them is is ridiculous. That's not a plan at all. That's my control issues. That's my fear, right? A lot of times I have to look and be like, why am I saying this? You know? And another great thing I learned in program is like, um, wait, which is an acronym for like, why am I talking? Because the minute my kid says anything, I want to jump in with a solution. And it's not because I don't think it's, maybe it is coming from ego a little bit, but I think it's more coming from like, oh my God, I love you so much. I want to help you. I want, I want to help you. I want to fix your hurting. I want to fix it. Whatever, whenever your kid's hurting, it's like, oh, it's worse than you hurting. I don't think anybody understands that till I have a child, but like a child's pain for a parent, and I'm only going to speak from a mother's perspective. I don't know if it's the same for dads, but from a mother's perspective, when a child hurts, it's worse than your hurt. Like I'd rather I go through it than you go through it, right? It's like that. So it's so hard to see your child hurt. So you want to come up with a solution because you want to take away the pain. But you know, pain is the touchstone to so many things. I want to say success, but pain is the touchstone to a new life, a new, you know, a new journey for them. And everything that I like about myself came from pain. It came from a really, really challenging, difficult situation, which is, I think the greatest thing in adulthood is when you look back, because for a long time, I blamed my parents for a lot of my problems. If you were just fill in the blank. Yeah, I was going to go in a direction with that, but I changed my mind because I don't want to, I don't want to out anybody on things that they've said about my parents. But, you know, that belief system to me is very young. It's a very young mind that thinks if you did this, I would have been okay. And now I see it as, and this is like a really spiritual, woo, -woo, you know, you're probably going to click the episode off when I say this, if you're not somebody who gets into the woo woo, I get into the woo woo a little bit. Um, and it is that we kind of pick our parents, like, you know, we kind of choose to come into this world for a reason and a purpose. And we need these people to be the people that we have to sort of like overcome in a way. So I don't look at my parents anymore as, you know, I don't look at anybody in my life that's caused me pain as you were a fucking problem. And if I didn't have you, I'd have been amazing. I look at it now as, wow, what a great teacher you were for me. I learned, I learned from the, from the pain that you caused me I learned. And 
in relationships for me, I had to have that pain multiple times, many times to learn that, okay, I need to go a different direction. You know, they say like, when you know better, you do better. And in a lot of areas in life, that's true. I don't think it's true with addiction. I don't think knowing can help you. You can know you have a problem and still not be able to solve it on your own. That is the weird paradox of addiction. But in other areas, I think you can heal and you can make a different decision. And a lot of that comes with knowledge. You know, I had to be in the relationships that I was in. And, you know, when I worked my recovery program and I got to look at my resentments against some of these relationships that I was in, I got to see how I got there. And it's interesting when you really look at something that you did in your life that didn't take you to a good place. If you really, we tend to only go back to the part of pain, but if we really roll the tape back to before the part of pain, to the section that is where we got involved, what our part is, you know, that's what they talk about in recovery. Like, what was your part? I didn't see my part because I was so stuck in the pain part. I was so stuck in what you did to me and what you did to me and what you did to me. And it's like, well, how did I get there? And a lot of it for me was I shouldn't have been there. I should not have been there. I did not belong there, you know, and I put myself there for a lot of reasons. I mean, that would be a whole other episode. Um, a lot of times it was ego. And I'll just briefly touch on this just so you know where I'm going with this because it does relate to the parental thing. You know, when I lost a lot of weight, I, I was never I was never the girl that was picked for anything. I wasn't popular in school. I was a loner. I played by myself. I had friends, but I was not part of the popular group. I was never... I was a really cute kid, really cute, like two years old, three years old, four years old, super cute. And then I went through an awkward stage that lasted a really long time. So I was sort of like ugly Betty or whatever, you know, one of those, it was just like, I was smart. I had a good heart. I, I think I was a good person and no one gave a fuck. No one cared. I didn't get any attention for that. Part of it was because of the family that I was in. You got attention for different things. So I started to learn how to become the bad kid, do stuff for attention. Look at me, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, performing, entertaining. You know, I would do anything for a laugh in school. And then it was like, oh, I got attention. And when you grow up feeling very, very alone, the first time you get a laugh and the first time you get attention, I remember one time the teacher, we had a substitute teacher and she asked me to pass out papers. You know, she was a substitute teacher, so she didn't know that I was not the person to ask to pass out papers. And I just went to the window and threw them out the window and the kids were dying. Of course, teacher didn't see it. And then we all let out of class and like the papers were all in the trees, you know? It was just like, I had that attitude of like, I could pass out the papers. What will that get me? Or I could throw the papers out the window. And what will that get me? And it got me love and applause. And I was here for it. So for years, no guys were really interested in me. They weren't. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's people I was around. Maybe it was me. I don't know. You know, so just being a good person, having a good heart, you know, just that wasn't what was up, you know. And when I lost weight and all of a sudden looked different than I had ever looked in my life, I had so much attention from really attractive men, you know, and I rode it till the wheels came off because 
I loved it. I loved the attention. I loved feeling like, oh, I can, I can, I can go on a date with anybody I want to go. I can, ooh, look at me, you know? And because of that, I wasn't picking the right people. I wasn't picking the right people for me. I'm not saying there was anything wrong with those people. It wasn't the right person for me because I was approaching it from a very shallow aspect, you know? I mean, not to sound, this is going to sound so the, but like, I'm hot, you're hot. Let's be hot together. Like it was that stupid, simple. Oh, look, when my friends see who I'm dating, what are they going to say? It's like, who cares? But that was a stage in my life. That was a period in my life. And so I chose the wrong people a lot, you know, and my self-esteem before that happened, before I became, you know, lost weight and became who I thought I was before that, my self-esteem was so low that I really came to the table like, Hey, anybody who wants me, I'm available. And, uh, my first marriage was literally like, we were in a band together. Here I am. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we just, we were together a lot. I don't even know if he was interested in me. I just became so interested in him and catered to everything he wanted to do that it was almost like I was like roadkill. I talked about that in another episode. Um, I think that's in the episode, how to make anybody obsessed with you or fall in love with you. You know, being roadkill will get you a certain thing you know it's just sort of like I think he just like was like all right well you're you're basically everything that I think I want and need and I will be your boyfriend but I hadn't worked on myself I didn't have good self-esteem I didn't know what I brought to the table I didn't have any value it wasn't mirrored to me from my parents you know which is something I really tried to do with my kids was mirror their value you know almost to a point where I think I built them up so much that um that they turned out to be, I would say more of my sons and my daughter, a little bit, I don't want to say overly confident, but like they didn't think, my, my sons don't think there's anything they can't do, right? And have done a lot of incredible things because of that self-esteem. So I mirrored to them, you're kick-ass, you can do anything you want to do, I believe in you. Like whatever you put your mind to, you'll do it. They're like, I'm going to do this, you'll do it. I'm going to do that, you'll do it, it'll happen. But I didn't have that. I sort of had parents that were very narcissistic and very needed to be fixed all the time, needed the attention more themselves. So especially with my mom, you know, she wasn't, she was trying, she was trying to, here's something else I'll say. It's hard to mirror it for your kids when you're struggling with it. Like my mom would tell me, you know, you're beautiful, but my mom didn't think, and my mom would tell me I had value, but my mom didn't think she was beautiful. My mom didn't think she had value. So I was coming from that perspective. But again, too, that's another episode. And I feel like we kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent. And I don't even remember what the initial direction I was going with was in all that. But I think it was about ego. Sometimes why we shouldn't listen to our parents is because they're telling us things because they haven't done work on themselves and they want to just fix it for us, you know? Um, But I think it's important to start to get other voices in your head, right? There are a lot of people that go to their parents for advice and they give great advice. I think my kids come to me sometimes for advice and there's certain things I can really give good advice on. Sometimes I feel like, oh, was that the right advice? I don't know, but I give them what I have. I can only, people can only give you their experience, their strength, and their hope. But it comes from, A, first, their experience. What have they experienced? I can't tell you 
what it's like to travel to a foreign country or go to Italy. I've never done it. So if you're going to talk to me about like, what should I do? I'm like, boo, boo, I got no idea. But if you want to talk to me about how to travel the United States, sit down. I could draw you a map. Been there, done that. Been back and forth through the United States from Jersey to Vegas to California to Vegas to Florida to Jersey, all over. Michigan, Missouri. I've been everywhere. So it's like, I can talk to you about that. You know, it doesn't mean it's going to help you. It doesn't mean it's going to be your experience. I might go to Missouri, love it. You might go to Missouri, hate it. We don't know. We're different people. But I think sometimes parents talk because they want to help you and they want to solve the problem for you. And what I'm saying is look at who your parents are with a very open, loving, forgiving heart, but look at them for who they are and don't expect them to be anything different than what they are. And I think that that's the first thing that will really help you so much if you have any sort of like angst with your parents, because sometimes we have these expectations of who our parents will be as we get older, maybe as a grandparent, who they'll be, you know, and, and we can be disappointed. We can feel like, wow, that's not who I thought you were going to be. It's it's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay. They are where they are and they can give what they can give. And a lot of times when people haven't done a lot of work on themselves, even though they're in an old body, (laughs) they're not aged in, in a, in a way that's going to be helpful to you because they haven't done the work. They're sort of stunted, right? Like an adult, a kid in, in an adult's body, you know, sometimes the best wisdom comes from kids. You know, my, my kids have been my greatest teachers. You know, my eldest son is so smart, so brilliant. So, um, has a perspective on the world. That's like, God, I wish, you know, all people would have this sort of outlook. You know, he's he's got a way that he approaches the world, which is fascinating. I'll go to him, not to put my shit on him, but to be like, hey, how do you see this? Just because it's a good perspective. Um, my middle son too. My middle son has ways that he sees the world that are very different, but there's something in that that um, I can take away as a positive. And my daughter too. My daughter has a... I th- I don't think she would necessarily agree with this, but she has a confidence. You know, my daughter's never been boy crazy. My daughter's ever never been unsure of who she is or what she should do. She's a Leo. She's like my dad, very headstrong, very like stubborn, but in a good way. You know, not afraid to speak her mind. Where I can be a little bit more of a people pleaser, and I don't know, maybe she's a people pleaser with other people, but with me, she'll tell me in two seconds, no, not doing it. No, not interested. And it started, it's funny and cute little story. It started when she was really little. I love pink and I couldn't wait to have a girl because I just wanted to literally like vomit Pepto-Bismol all over her and her room and just everything. I want everything pink. My daughter hates pink. I don't know if she still does. I think she's softened on it, but as a kid, hated it. So if someone would give her a gift and it would be pink, she literally would open the box, look at it and go, I don't like pink. And I'd be like, shh, that's a gift. Say, thank you. I had to teach her how to get gifts because she'd literally pull things out and be like, but I don't like it. <laughs> and especially if it was pink, oh God forbid. So anyway, I didn't really get to live out my pink fantasy, but I have my fingers crossed for a granddaughter that will like pink like her grandma. Anyway, so that's the thing. That's the deal. Uh, why you shouldn't listen to your parents is really comes from perspective, knowing who your parents are. And if you're looking to get advice on something that your parents haven't done, 
go somewhere else, ask someone else. And even though you probably thought this was going to be like a negative bashing episode on your parents, give your parents a fucking break too. If you have, I mean, wherever your parents are, however old you are, give your parents a break. I have to remember to do that too. I'm about to leave for New Jersey. Just so you guys know, I'll be at um, the Stress Factory with Mike Marino, August 18th and 19th. I'm going to try to drop this episode today so you guys will hear it. And hopefully if you're in New Jersey, if you're in New York, if you're in Philly, if you're in Connecticut, take the drive, come down and see me and please come up after the show and tell me you listen to the podcast because I literally will start bawling, crying with happiness if you tell me that. So the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, the 18th and 19th, and I don't have any dates set up yet, but um, it's all on my website. As things come up, I put them on my website. If you'd like me to come to your town, uh, hit me up. Go on my website, um, theandreanatoli.com. I actually, it might be andreanatolicomedy.com. Either one of those will direct you. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Anyway, I was going to say I'm going to see my father. So after, this is like an episode for me. Don't listen to your parents, but also cut them a fucking break because uh, it's hard to be a parent. My dad's 87 years old. God bless. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and be positive and enjoy the things I enjoy about him and try not to pay too much attention to whatever bugs us and have a good time. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great week and I'll talk with you later. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it, give it five stars give me a comment. I would love to hear what you guys think. And um, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. Well, you know this if you're listening to it, but it's also on Spotify as well. And um, I think Stitcher. I'll have to check with my editor, my husband. All right. (laughs) Bye, you guys. Thanks for listening.